Good afternoon. Hi, I'm Dr. Hannah Stoltz. I'm one of the hosts of the Wheaton Center for Faith and Innovation podcast, Integrate, a podcast all about the integrate integration of faith and business. I'm joined today with special guest Lauren Stigman. She is a CFI board member and operations executive for International Capital Investment Company. Lauren is an operations leader in the private wealth family office industry and has served her current clients for 15 years. With deep expertise in human resources and development, her position has spanned areas of information technology, public relations, risk management, marketing, and philanthropy. She successfully supported a full operational separation for her client from an operating business they held for decades. And her goal is to ensure that our clients' personal and business needs are served and that our internal teams are all working towards the same. Uh, Lauren, it's so wonderful to have you here with us today. Thank you for joining us. It's great to see you, Hannah. I know we haven't seen each other in person for a while, so uh, Zoom it is again. <laughs> Here we are. Um, I'd like to hear you know, as we open up our conversation about your work journey to this point. I know you have a bachelor's in communication and industrial psychology and a master's of jurisprudence in business law from Loyola mm-hmm. University, Chicago. And I'd love to hear like about your journey, maybe you know, Kelly John, how did you end up where you are today doing all the cool things in your bio? You know, it's, it's really interesting. I came out of my undergraduate degree very young. I actually um, graduated in three years out of my undergrad. So I was 20 years old, um, achieving my undergraduate degree and turned 21 on my first job. Um, back when I was applying for work, Hannah, it was the newspaper. I don't know if you're in that club too, but it was uh, replying to advertisements in a paper. And I knew going out of my undergraduate degree, I really wanted to connect with people. I wanted to find an opportunity where I could help people. And my naivete at 20 said, human resources, that sounds right. Um, so I interviewed um, with what I learned after accepting a position was a headhunting firm in the city of Chicago. And um, my young self was thrown into uh, essentially a sales role uh, when I was 21. And so it was spanning the um, realm of not only mining for talent, so finding individuals for jobs, but also finding clients. Mm-hmm. And I was grossly underprepared for that first job. Um, no one prepares you to be sat at a desk with a pad of paper, a pen, a Rolodex, and a phone, and basically go find, go, go do. Um, so there were some tears early career, um, but at about four months into that role, it really just clicked for me. Um, it, it was an amazing opportunity to meet just a broad span of different people. Um, being in the loop of Chicago, working with law firms and architecture firms, um, real estate, investing, all of these different businesses that in my young mind, I had no idea all of that existed. So it was really exciting to get to know the clients and the businesses and what they were looking for and matching those opportunities with people that were seeking work. Um, In that experience, I was able to stay with that organization for a number of years. I started managing people. Um, I was managing talent at the young age of 22 
and managing women that were in their 40s, which now being a woman in my 40s, I am thinking about being managed by a younger generation, which I can't even imagine. And so through that journey, um, really took on a lot of leadership responsibilities, operations management, sales management, and spent about three years in training and development nationally as well. Um, At some point, that exercise of sales and being on the outside really grew wearing. And I decided I'd really love to take my talents to an internal opportunity and um, took that and moved into a corporate HR role where, again, a very new opportunity working for a private equity held manufacturing company. And I was able to really take my recruitment experience, implement North American recruiting for a company, and then move forward into um, an HR role. Uh, This is where faith comes in um, on my work journey. So I grew up um, primarily in a Lutheran Roman Catholic home. So while I knew about the Bible, I knew about church, I knew about God, I really can't say I had a personal relationship with the Lord. I, I would pray. I would pray about my personal situations when things got rough. Um, And when I was changing jobs from being with this staffing and recruiting firm and moving into my new role, I was actually also going through a divorce. Um, And so at work, a very fulfilling job. I actually, uh, work is a great place to meet people. And I ended up meeting my now husband um, at my uh, job then. And what I would say is that he was instrumental. He was the Lord's instrument in bringing me to my faith Um, Mm -hmm. within, you know, we went out to dinner a few times and um, things were going swimmingly. And he said, you know, would you go to church with me? And I'm like, okay, well, this is different. Um, No one prepares you for being asked on a date to church. But I was ready for something different and knew that he was listening to that Christian radio station in his car, which is K-Love. So a little bit of humor early in our relationship. I'm like, okay, well, the Christian music guy asked me out on a date. (laughs) So I um, went to church with him and um, really it was overwhelming at first, very overwhelming. It was a large evangelical community church. So the music was different. The whole service was different, but I got to see the Bible in a way that was just so different. And I was being shepherded in a way where I was like, my eyes were opened. I said, oh my goodness. It wasn't until 30 years old that I realized that the gospel was the same thing four times, that like the same thing four times. <laughs> and as, as growing up as a Catholic, like no one ever really pointed that out. And nor did I ever take the time to really sit back. And I knew all the stories. I knew about Jesus, but I really didn't understand what that meant um, from a faith perspective. So um, met my husband now husband at work, received my salvation through that saving grace of meeting him at work. And so I um, obviously didn't want to have to work with my husband at the same company and moved on to where I am today. So um, 
very exciting uh, transition. And I've been both married and working for 15 years. So it's been a little while. (laughs) That's awesome. I I love, I love what you said about, you know, you know, you, you know, we, we can all grow up with, you know, the, the stories and we kind of have an idea of faith and kind of who God is. And there's something about, you know, um, learning the Bible and hearing the Bible from the first time. And I love that, you know, here you, it sounds like you've always loved people. And, um, so, you know, I'm grateful that your husband came along and in that shift, you know, when you start to realize what the gospel is and what it means, Mm -hmm. did it change like how you showed up at work? What, you know, did it frame your work differently? Did you see changes in terms, like what changes did you see? Not at first, (laughs) not at first, right? The Lord uses so many different situations to um, bring us through sanctification, right, Hannah? Absolutely. (laughs) um, I moved into a role um, at my client's operating company um, back, you know, right after I got married, I, I took a significant pay cut. I took a positional decrease from my company where I was with my husband to my new organization. And for high achievers, Hannah, I know like Dr. Hannah. (laughs) So for high achiever, it was difficult for me to go from an office with a door, with a window, with a team. I literally, my cubby was the size of like my office, like chair, like cubicle. It was teeny tiny. And so, you know, going through what I went through, I think the first year of work um, in decidedly taking a step back and being, thinking I was okay with that. Um, But then that enticement of more and more achievement Um, it really, I had a, a really bad skin, my knee moment whereby, um, I had been tapped on the shoulder, um, by my boss's boss for an opportunity, um, kind of paraded around the company as if I had the opportunity and the individual that I worked for really didn't want me in that opportunity Mm -hmm. hired somebody else. And so I was left with, okay, yes, but no, the door closed. And it was in that moment that I, my faith really, okay, Lord, you've shut the door. I would say that was my first moment and then struggled a little bit over the next 12 months or so, um, really at the end of the day, understanding that the person that I worked for didn't feel served. And I think that was really eye-opening to me because no matter where we're at or who is in front of us, whether it is a a peer, a subordinate, um, a colleague, you know, like a colleague or somebody above you, at the end of the day, you need to serve what's in front of you. That was Mm -hmm. like a huge awakening moment for me. And it opened the door for me to transition into um, the opportunity where I am now that really allowed me to flourish and do more, um, really kind of picking up operational pieces along the way that 
were important to the client and important to um, where I'm at today uh, with my with the the family that I serve. So, um, as I said, it wasn't immediate, but mm-hmm. I still see it. Um, you know, from a from an HR field perspective, and even Hannah, I think you manage and lead staff. I would say one of the challenges that I face, and I would be curious if you experience the same thing, you know, as you're giving performance feedback to a team member or really looking subjectively at business, you know, I'm really always in the back of my mind monitoring, okay, Lauren, is this, is this true? Is this a fact about this individual? It's judgment versus feedback and really checking my heart to make sure I'm not judging from my view of a human being and that I'm really giving that person feedback that's going to elevate them because that's Mm -hmm. what I would want myself. I don't know what your experience has been with that. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely, you know, it's always challenging. Confrontation is challenging, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and people need performance reviews, like growing, like, if there's a reason we have growing pains and our muscles hurt after we work out, right? To get strong, mm-hmm. we do need somebody to be faithful to us. And um, it's it's a really hard space to navigate. And I think um, for student listeners, you know, I love this. This came up, you know, and kind of thinking through how do you work into, walk into a workplace for the first time and give performance reviews? And, you know, a lot of the students that graduate from Wheaton get opportunities to lead and they're achievers like us too, a lot of yeah. them. And, um, and it's funny because my, my first leadership opportunity, kind of like yours, I was army at the time, but I had 60 soldiers and 58 of them were men in my case, um, that you're going to tell what to do on a regular basis. So for students who are really green and they're going into workspaces and they're going to have to, they need to be faithful to their, their coworkers and be honest. Um, what recommendations would you make? I mean, you flourished with, Leading 40-year-old, you know, 40-year-old women who are young, I would argue. But um, I would argue very young. (laughs) Very young. How do you navigate that? You know, you're going to, you are going to trip and that's okay. Um, Number one, never be afraid to try to have a conversation that doesn't go so well and have to come back to it. Um, two, find that mentor in your life. And it can be a friend, it can be a professor, it can be someone external. There is no harm in role playing. Um, I do it to this day. I have people that I really trust that I'll call and I'll say, gosh, I really have to have a difficult conversation with whomever. And here's, here's how I'm viewing it here. You have to really think about what is it that you're feeling versus what is it that's a fact? We oftentimes, as we go to give feedback or we're experiencing someone, it's very easy to feel that their actions are about us. That's like 99% of the time that's not the case. And if we really stop to think about somebody's behavior in the workplace, typically they're doing something because of something in their life that's impacting them. Why is it? And it can be something in their personal life. It could be that they're not feeling fulfilled professionally. There are a whole bevy of different things that people go through. And this is where your faith 
really can impact you. And thinking about how you put on that, put on, first of all, your your armor as you go into work and really lean in on the Lord, pray before you go in and really think about what is it about this individual that is wonderful? You know, how can you lean in and remember that they are hurting just like you? Um, We all sin at the end of the day. And so checking yourself before you're trying to check somebody else, it's like the old, you know, the verse in Matthew, like look at the log in your own eye before you focus on the speck in your brother's eye. What is it that, okay, what's your accountability and how can you help them? So... Yeah. yeah. How do you how do you navigate that? This is an interesting one to me as you're talking about that. It made me think. I've had different points in time over my career, and I I love people. I want to know what's going on in their lives, and you know, having the capacity to empathize with people around you means you listen to them and you know them. Mm-hmm. How do you navigate that as a woman? Sometimes I feel like as a woman, when I when I know my employees well and I love them and I'm their friend, I've had people come along and say, "Well, you know, you're too approachable," and mm-hmm. or you know. Uh, so how do, how do you, how have you navigate that from an HR's perspective, you know, between being approachable, being a friend, but holding people accountable to do their jobs with excellence? It is really funny because I actually had one of my superiors the other day. Well, I know so-and-so is your friend. And I, and I just stepped back for a second. I said, wait a minute. And I said, I don't employ my friends. I employ people that are here to serve our business. Number one. So how are we all here and grounding in the fact that we're here to serve a business? There are plenty of people that I'm friends with that I would never employ. (laughs) And I love them still to this day. Um, (laughs) That probably resonates with a lot of people. Um, But it is important to draw that boundary um, and to really have a professional line in setting expectations when you write down, first of all, when somebody knows, A, what their job is, and B, what their goals are, what are they accountable for delivering to you so that you're grounded in having a discussion about their performance? It's not necessarily about the human being, although sometimes it can be, right? That's where values and culture come into play so that you can have a very tangible conversation with someone that says, hey, here's, here's what we value at CFI. So here's what we value at CFI from our students, from our board advisors, from our stakeholders, anybody who's invested. And if somebody's not modeling that behavior, it's having the conversation about why the behavior isn't matching what's really established. It mm-hmm. sometimes has nothing to do with that person. And the best part is sometimes all you need to do is sit back and be quiet and really just observe and they'll often self-select. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you need to let the Lord move. It's hard to be patient. It is hard to be patient. Um, but sometimes it's seeking the Lord in those moments where it's difficult. So. Yeah, it's so, so um, helpful and, and a good reminder of thinking about um, the things you write down, the things that you agree on together in writing are, are, are so easy, so much easier to follow up on as well. So that, that faithfulness to documentation. It's hard. You know, it's a thing. You're, you're the supply chain professional. You're probably a lot better at process documentation than I am. And I've read your book and I know you're like a whiz at it. 
So um, for somebody that's like a definite feeler like I am, I have to be very, very cognizant of writing things down because I'm a, I, I'm a, I'm a blue sky thinker mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I'm somebody that will be like, okay, go chase X, but I'm not giving you the alphabet in between. And I need to remember that not everybody works that way. Yeah. Um, so I, I, you know, it comes with time. We all, you know, like you said, it's like working out. We're lifting our weights and learning how to lead people. And I'm still learning today. I, I think you'd agree, Hannah. Like yep. it's always, it's, it's always a process. Yeah. I love that. I love that idea of um, role-playing. And I mean, I do that as well. And, you know, whether it's contract negotiation or just, you know, approaching somebody in love, because that's what we're called to first, right? We love God, we love people. And so sometimes we can't hear ourselves talk. <laughs> no, and, you know, we're human. And mm-hmm. so people are going to make you upset, whether it's yeah. a hurt feeling or an anger feeling or a displaced feeling. So have those people that you trust to go to with those feelings so mm-hmm. that you can take that off before you go into the next. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's so important. And so speaking of challenges, and we talk, you know, you're going to have challenges in HR with performance and, um, you know, people in general. <laughs> um, can you think of challenges throughout your career that you faced specifically because you are a Christian? Or do you think there's challenges to being a Christian in the workplace today? We live in a weirdly dichotomous world, and I think it shows up in different ways. Um, I, yeah. Yeah, I do think it shows up in different ways. Um I have not, um, I have not faced a ton of adversity for my faith at work. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that I'm very thankful. I think that I've seen fruit from people knowing where I stand. I do know that it has made people uncomfortable when I pray. I have prayed before meals um, mm-hmm. because I'm convicted to do so, um, offering prayer to people. And I have had people share feedback that it made them uncomfortable. And I've had Mm -hmm. to say, I'm sorry, that's, uh, you know, unfortunate. I really, you know, don't seek to offend anybody. Mm -hmm. Um, Really meeting people where they're at uh, with their faith. And it's been, it was interesting today. um, I had a gentleman say to me, we've had a lot of tumult in our environment for a variety of reasons. And he said, oh, hey. I prayed for you at church this weekend. Hmm. So that was a beautiful opportunity for people to know that that is meaningful to me, um, to be able to, I'll pepper in little things about uh, little Bible verses here and there without even stating that it's a Psalm or a proverb. There's great wisdom um, in the Bible as you again, wrote in your book, there's so much wisdom in the Proverbs um, and in the Psalms that can be uplifting. And oftentimes you can bring scripture into work and people don't even know that it's scripture. Um, You know, take the, look at the speck of your own eye before focusing on the log and, you know, the log and the speck, whichever Mm -hmm. order that goes in. I'm not great at verse memorization. I'm working on it. You nailed it. You did great. But, but, Thinking about that in the context of work and being able mm-hmm. to say to someone as you're going through a coaching situation, hey, Hannah, you know what? 
I would really like you to focus on what's going on with you before you go talk to Bob. Um, because here's what I'm observing. I'm observing this log in your eye. Mm-hmm. It's not about you. It's about what Bob's experiencing. Bob's overwhelmed, whatever it might be. And so really thinking about that wisdom that's so in the word and knowing that the word is alive in us if we're in it every day and using that. And people remember those little things um, along the way. What I have seen more, Hannah, is um, how um, faith has impacted Um, women, Christian women across um, different platforms that I'm involved with. So I'm involved with a secular community that is uh, all over LinkedIn called Chief. And um, I joined Chief because like you, um, work with a lot of men and was seeking opportunities to connect with other executive women um, in my industry. And goodness, has the Lord just blessed that. Um, I found a group of Christian women on this platform. And there are about 312, give or take, women that participate in this forum. And women culturally are trained to show up to work and told that they need to behave like men, in order to achieve and be successful. Wow. I would argue that uh, the Lord has equipped women differently and very specially for their work. Um, many times in the New Testament, um, you know, translated the word ezer. There's the word ezer, and ezer is helper. Um, women are called helpers, and that is our nature And there's a lot of power in the humility of being a helper and um, being an environment like that. So I would say being countercultural in terms of how we see our hubris and our humility and not this clawing at trying to be something that we're really not, we're we're not. Um, And that doesn't mean we're not exceptional leaders. It just means we do show up differently, but we should celebrate that. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. And it's interesting, you know, there's so much research, like in the servant leadership space that, you know, Mm -hmm. leaders that really have a heart to help to see, to empower other people um, are really a lot of, like most of the time the research would show are more effective as leaders. And so I think it's interesting that God, you know, puts different attributes in all of us that we can be complementary to each other, that we can learn from each other. Some men need to learn to be more helpful. <laughs> and, and some women do need to learn, you know, they don't need to go, you don't need to go to work and act like a man, but you know, you know, when to step up and when to, you know, when to stand up for somebody, you know, and have some valor in a helpful way, but you know, to do it in a, in a way that, um, you know, really does have impact. And I, so I, I, I love what you said about that and thinking about women and our role and the things we can step into. Can you tell us more about, about chief and why is it important for women in leadership to be in community? Why, you know, I love to tell us more about, you know, joining it and what that's looked like over your career. So it has been interesting. I've been on this platform for now, uh, just about two years and, um, you know, 
what I have seen is that the cultural issues, the, the broad platform itself is um, actually getting a lot of controversy. You can, you know, just type in chief on LinkedIn and you'll see all of the commentary and all of the um, upsets, um, you know, ranging from um, people in the Jewish community to the um, African-American community and just not feeling included and um, feeling some persecution. Um, It's actually driven the platform to create what they're calling listening sessions to different communities. And actually what's very interesting is that um, a lot of Christian women have left the platform because they are very pro-choice, exceptionally um, interested in, um, there, there is no discussion about pro-life, pro-choice, it's pro-choice. And so we've had a lot of uh, women leave the platform um, out of their conviction for life, which I respect 100%. And so those of us that are still on the platform are really convicted. If we're not the light in the darkness, if we're not in the market, everybody, you're in the market. You're going to see this no matter where you go. And it is incumbent upon us to be the light of Christ in the darkest of dark places um, to really be offer an opportunity for something different. Mm -hmm. Um, The Christian community has asked for a listening session and we've been told no. (laughs) So (laughs) we created our own listening session uh, to really find out from this group of 300 women what it is they're seeking in community where we have seen a ton of impact is through prayer. Um, So I am, and a colleague of mine in Dallas started to pray for women and offer two sessions a week. Sometimes I have one woman join. Sometimes I have 10 women join. The transformation I have seen just through praying over women that are oftentimes leading large groups of people, one, Two, they're a breadwinner in the home. Three, they have children that they're managing and balancing. So you're speaking about people that have a tremendous burden that is in their life and that they're juggling. That's not to say that men don't have tremendous burdens, but these women are really, um, you know, some of them in tech losing their jobs. Um, Some people are just um, have feelings of just anger. And just watching, watching how prayer has just changed and transformed these ladies to the point where they can get to a new opportunity that they're celebrating and they're praising God and they're just able to shout that not only within our small community, but on a platform like LinkedIn or on the announcement page on Chief is a huge deal. It's so important. So yeah. we also want to appeal to those that I, I started to call them Christian curious. Mm-hmm. There is a better way. So, um, you know, we're trying to implement different things that it, we can gather as Christians all we want and build each other up, which is so important. But until we put our foot into the community and really tap into those people that are Christian curious, we're just talking to ourselves. And yeah. that's 
what we're called to do at all. So uh, go forth and make disciples of all nations. Hey, there are a lot of people at work that need Jesus. I was one of them. And Mm -hmm. my husband was bold enough to ask me to church. So I love that. That is so, um, it's such a good reminder. And, you know, we do have this, if you're going to be light in the darkness, you got to get close enough to some darkness to shed some light, right? Sometimes it's hot. Like you're on the fringe of that river, man. It's not nice. It can be a little hot. Yeah. 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 It's such a, um, so do you have a guiding scripture or uh, a passage that, you know, in your life that maybe could, we could learn from today? Yeah, I love Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. And again, probably won't get it perfect. So I'm going to read it. It's to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power of the work that is within us. To him be the glory in the church of Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Thinking far more abundantly, our abundance comes from the Lord. It doesn't come from our paycheck. It doesn't come from our title. It doesn't come from a boss or a colleague. The abundance that we receive is from the Lord. And so remembering that he's going to do far more than all we could ever ask or think about. I mean, it's mind blowing to me. And then remembering that he's at work within you. If you have your salvation in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit every single day. You have Christ walking with you every day as your intercessor, as your guide going before you. It's incredible. So that's been, uh, abundance is a huge word for me this year and remembering that it comes from above. It's really important. I love it. It is so important. I agree. Thank you for, for sharing that. And I love this. I love to think about practical takeaways. You know, when you talk to somebody, you're like, okay, what can I learn from this? How can I change? Because I talked to Lauren, uh, let's do it again today. And, um, and I think one of the things that you said earlier, like we have interviewed, so many people since 20, like, I think we launched the podcast back in 2020 and Mm -hmm. I've talked to dozens of people. Do you know that you're the first person that's ever said that they, somebody was offended by being prayed for? (laughs) I have so many people say nobody's ever said no. And I always think in the back of my mind, I'm sure people don't, sometimes maybe people don't say no because they feel like it's awkward. Maybe, maybe you're just that anointed that it's always the exact right moment. And I really just appreciate your honesty and in talking about that because there's an opportunity, you know, to be like, oh, okay, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to offend you. But then at the same time, it is a part of who you are. And then your colleagues come and share and connect with you in that way. And they mm-hmm. go to church and pray for you. And so I think one of the practical things I took away from this is like, oh, yeah, that's right. You know, it's actually better to be in a space where people come back and tell you and say, oh, you know, I'm uncomfortable with, you know, really at the end of the day, who you are. But, but then it also opens up this opportunity to, to be in a faith community and spaces where you're working and to be praying for each other. So I love that. I'm excited to tell students, like, be bold. And um, it's okay. yeah. not, not 100% of Christians always have people say yes to prayer or love it. <laughs> so thank you for your honesty. What would you tell students to do as, as a takeaway from today and, you know, your thoughts and your experiences with Chief and your journey? Um you're going to tell them, like, think about this in the place you go to work tomorrow, or if we have a listener who's going to work tomorrow, what is one great thing to say? Huh, think about this. Oh, boy. You know, I, 
it thinks simply start your day in the word and with the Lord. Like yeah. that, it, that is going to change your day. It is going to change the trajectory of how you show up. Um, I really uh, get into that habit. If you can start now and really find uh, uh, somebody to hold you accountable to that, or a group that you can join that, you know, where you're at least chatting with somebody that holds you accountable to being in the, in the word in the morning, even if it's for 10 minutes, um, you know, the Lord doesn't measure how long we're doing it. Um, but even five minutes in a verse or an app, I know our students are probably more apt to use their, their phone, um, and have a Bible verse pop up to them every day. But guide your work with uh, the word and figure out how that wisdom can speak into what you're needing to do in that day. So that would be my practical, tactical uh, advice. I wish I knew that when I was 20. <laughs> I know, me too. Yeah, that your, your posture in the morning determines your entire day, right? Mm-hmm. It, really, it really does. Make your bed. <laughs> That's an army thing, right? I'm sure. Mm-hmm. A big military thing. They uh, mm-hmm. yeah. do say that uh, making your bed is a, a good, uh, good habit. <laughs> oh, wonderful, Lauren! Thank you so much for sharing your story and your journey, and just for the you know the wisdom that you have to share with us. Thank you for also all the work you're doing with the Center for Faith and Innovation. It's so exciting to have you on the board, and I'm excited for the the women and the students at Wheaton that are going to be impacted by your story and your testimony and just who you are. So thank you so much for, for having this conversation with me today. Thanks, Anna. It was a pleasure.